Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. Round one or week one of the Marsh Community Series is done and dusted and we finally have some football that we've sunk our teeth into and can really deconstruct and do a deep dive. To do that, I've got Pistol with me to talk all things football, mate. How are you, champion? I'm very excited. Just hearing that big welcome back is just, you know, it makes me pumped. I can't wait to talk about it. Well, it's we talk about the AFL players having a big preseason. I dare say we start our preseason before the AFL players do. I'm going to come that out right now. Our preseason is more grueling, it's longer hours, and it's just physically tougher on the body because, you know, reading all these stats just makes you go crazy sometimes. <laughs> And not just that, Cheezo, we've had quite a bit behind the scenes going on. Uh, Potentially, do you want to run through some of the things that are happening in our world? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, 2020 is where we shake things up a little bit. And, you know, uh, those that have been supporting us and, and helping us reinvest into our platform has kind of progressed us to the next stage uh, of where we're, we're hoping we can take Dr. Supercoach and particularly bringing the live shows to 2020 is something that we're super excited about. And you might even see a, a little, uh, you know, a little snapshot of Pistol. You might actually get to see what he looks like if you tune in. So definitely keep an eye out for that. But we do have to <laughs> reward those patrons that have been there and and supporting us, um, you know, over the preseason and, and helping us expand. Uh, and for that, we do have to give some shout outs. We do have have Matt Williams, Kimbo, Jack, Lucas Bernardo, Daniel Powell, Jordan Riley, Salty. Hopefully that's not JB's alt account because, uh, <laughs> you know, 2020, he's JB definitely falling back to the pack. James Page, Dylan Smith, Paul Cassatt, Luke's Bexley. Great to have you, Bex. Very, very big in Slack. We've got Scaries, Aaron Knight, Casey Moran, Philly McGilly, Kent Rowe, Nick Zilla, Questy, Dwayne Stewart, Tom Taylor, John Buckley, Mark Swan, Meldrum De Silva, Matt Ogle, Lee Fountas, Chris Mitchell, Michael Harms, Ashley Ton, Curtis, Jim McKay, Tom Newman, Chris Todd, and Daniel Nevand. And if I get any of those wrong, what I'm doing for Donate for Donuts this year is I'm making a donate for a donation for every name I pronounce wrong. So wow. I'm hoping I'm, I'm hoping that there's not uh, you know just a little bit of under table deals where you and you and JB are kind of convincing them to say that I pronounced it wrong. I'm hoping there's going to be it's actually going to be fair. Uh, but I, I'm going to be donating to the cancer council for any any patrons' names that I give an incorrect shout out on the podcast. I actually work with Mark Swan, and you pronounce his first name as. Gareth, so I think you already uh, owe the uh, council council. No, that doesn't count. I'm reading what they've put on here. No, 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 no. We're not. Ha- we're not having any of that. No, you you've tried to set me up because you knew in advance what was going on. That, that's that's totally not okay. Uh, but we're super happy to have you guys in um, Patreon and in the Slack channel and uh, helping contribute to uh, the discussion and everything that goes on behind there. And just to to, to point out, Peter, we've got 200 people, 201 that have signed up with a month before the preseason and just the overwhelming support you guys have given us is fantastic. And so, uh, you know, we're trying to give back to you uh, for, for helping, uh, helping support us. So we've got two things that we're doing for you in the preseason. Firstly, for anyone that signs up in the 2020 preseason um, before the 1st of March goes into uh, the prospectus competition. So someone's going to be randomly drawn 
um, to take home the prospectus as a prize. That's a good couple of weeks reading to get you up to speed with the, uh, the 2020 season. That's going to be a bit of fun. So I can't wait to draw that one. And what we're also doing is we're doing the Doctor's Daily Dose. So we're doing a little bit of a breakdown um, on the regular there, Pistol, just going through some players. And uh, we, we just we were forced to talk about uh, Christian Petrarca today, mate. We, did, we had to break him down because there's a little bit of hype going on. He's gone from 0% of teams to 15% of teams in one day. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe not that much, a little bit of an over-exaggeration, but he was very impressive. We'll talk about it in a moment, but I do want to reiterate, it is daily content. So that is uh, for the preseason. We're talking a podcast today. It's uh, been a lot, but it's been very fun. Um, I'm sure it's been fun for you and JB, given you've been on most of them so far. <laughs> and uh, I've been, Are you actually I've been missing? Enjoying... That's the question. People want to know where you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm just waiting, biding my time. I'm waiting for the big names and, uh, you know. <laughs> I knew it was something like that. You're like, oh, I'm not talking about this player. I'm not talking about that. I'm not, I'm not letting on who we've talked about. And you say that I'm over-exaggerating. Christian Petrarch is in 11% of teams now. I can guarantee you he was in less than 1% before that. So we're not far off. Not not far off, uh, absolutely. Um, what else have we got going on in the preseason pistol? We've got the YouTube channel that's starting to put out some video content. I did have the team reveal. And uh, we're basically bringing in a new segment on the podcast, uh, on the YouTube channel. We're doing a team ream. We're going to break down and someone else's uh, team during the week and just give some pointers and stuff of like that. We, you never know, we might bring out phantoms uh, and just give it, just give him a little bit of a helping hand, seeing as we haven't been extended an invite to the State of Origin series <laughs> uh, again just yet. And maybe, maybe there's a little bit of payback for that. Um, and the, the last thing that we... Uh, well, a couple more things in housekeeping before we get stuck into the marsh. Uh, we obviously have the public prize league where the top five... This is a public league that you can join. The top five are going to take away prizes uh, in 2020. So if you, you fancy yourself as a little bit of a, uh, a super coach boost, uh, make sure you get into there because for first prize, we're giving away 150 bucks. For second place, we're giving away 100 bucks. Third place, giving away 50 bucks. And fourth and fifth place, get a little mini Sharon with Dr. Supercoach written across the side there. So uh, if you like the sound of anything like that, you can jump into the prize group. All you have to do, there's just one simple requirement. You have to have DRSC in your name, the little acronym there. If you don't have that in your name and you finish first, you don't take the prize home. It's just, it's the only rule. It's the, the first rule about prize group, you have DRSC in your name. And uh, we've actually changed our names, Pistol, to include DRSC. So at least we're following our own rules. <laughs> it's the first time I've changed my fancy team name in over 10 years. So uh, big deal, but you know, someone has to take out the money. It will probably be me. So I just want to make sure that I am eligible <laughs> to, to win the prize. You can join the group. I'm going to say it again. Group, not league. Please stop trying to put this code into the league box. <laughs> you can scroll down a little bit further and there is a group section. One, triple nine, O five, group code for Dr. Supercoach. Yeah, so that, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. Um, and the last thing that we have kicked off, we're continuing in 2020, is our weekly articles, our weekly recap, uh, where we do summarize the, basically what all the important points were from the week just gone. We've done week one of March, so if you want to check that out, you can find that um, on the Supercoach website and Herald Sun uh, and wherever that has been posted. The first game that we had was St. Kilda and the Hawks, 
And there were a few players that we really liked the look of, and I should start off with the most important that, you know, we've been waiting to talk about this whole preseason to see how we go, and that's Tim Membry, Pistol. <laughs> set, you, set you up, good time. 164 Supercoach. Is this one of those typical preseason games that translate into the real season, or is this an aberration? Is this, is this something that we, we shouldn't expect going forwards? He was really, really good. But he I was. Mean, I'm making a joke out of it, but he was like, actually he played like he was super fantastic. well. I mean, 24. T- are we actually going to talk about Tim Membry? Well, I know I you think, were joking. I, it was a joke, but now that we've brought it up, let's just keep going. Let's run with it. Uh, look, what what more can you say when you see a scoreline: 24 touches, 12 marks, and four goals? It could be um, danger. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> could Tim be danger Dangerfield if you pick him too. <laughs> uh, for St Kilda. They finally got their man. Um, he was unbelievable, <laughs> but I don't. I don't think we're, it's going to be worthwhile talking about him from a Supercoach perspective. Perhaps we can talk uh, maybe about Rowan Marshall Chizo. That might have a bit more Supercoach relevance. Yeah, absolutely. One that we were, you know, considering as you know an R one or R two as an alternate for those that do want to break. Um, break the mold and the convention of picking um, Grundy and Gorn, the really, you know, the, the, the super obvious combination. There are a lot of people that um, are expecting Marshall to go to the next, next level with Ryder. And he has put out a 117 and had 24 hitouts, um, 11 hitouts to Paddy Ryder. But let's just point out that he didn't play sole ruck for the entire year. Uh, for the sorry, in the entire game, and he scored uh, forty-seven of his one hundred and seventeen SuperCoach points in the final quarter, playing solely as forward when Paddy Ryder was off the field. So there's a lot of people kind of jumping at this number. You know, a bit of confirmation bias going on. He's definitely in my side. He's the ruckman I want. He's going to average one hundred fifteen plus. Maybe just you know have another look in Marsh too. Is that is that kind of what you're thinking, Pistol? I think so. So to be more clear, Ryan Abbott came on in the final term and ended up rucking. So Marshall played forward. He dominated as a forward. He scored so many points. And it's pretty funny because the whole game we were like, oh, well, you can't pick him because he's scoring poorly as a, as a ruck forward. And then he's just playing as a pure forward in the final term and absolutely blitzed it. So uh, for me, it's still, what, what do you mean? So you can't really pick him at R2. You're going to be selecting him over the likes of a Grundy or I guess we'll talk about some other potential R2s that have played. Um, just a bit too high risk, high reward for me, Chizo. The one player that did, I guess, stand out for Saints who looked excellent and did look great last season as well is Hunter Clark at 402k. He came in with a 97 uh, this round, and it was the exact same role as he'd had last um, at the end of last season where he started looking the goods and scoring um, a couple of tons in the, the back end of last year after the bye. He was kind of charging off the back of the square, getting the ball through the halfback um, and charging through the midfield. And he is just going to be an unbelievable player. And I, I don't, I'm not still sold on him as, I guess, being super coach relevant in this particular season, but I think he'll get there. Um, at some stage, uh, I think realistically, if you're paying 402k, you're, you're going to want to keep him. He's not he's not a cash cow. Um, and do you, can you really see him averaging 95 plus, Chizo? I don't think. Well, that the, the, that's the thing. The, the ceiling that you get in the defence line from having those kickouts is added. Um, you know, the top six probably average a few more points higher than what they did 
previously. And so with Hunter Clark, if he's just running off the back line and then through the midfield, it's probably not going to be good enough for the entire season to make him a keeper. And he's also probably priced you know, a little too high to also be a legitimate stepping stone if you don't plan on him being a keeper. So what I was... Uh, if I was looking at someone like Hunter Clark, I want him to be filling the role that Dan Houston is filling. That um, is, get, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later on. Who had the highest centre bounce attendance for Port? So that's a definite, you know, midfield ball hunting role change that I think that um, is going to serve him well. On the alternate side of things, Hunter Clark only had seven centre bounce attendances from 32. So uh, it's not really indicating to me that he's going to have that security of scoring as opposed to someone like Houston who might be a little bit um, more around the ball more often. So uh, I think there might be a bit higher variance, particularly with a young player like Hunter Clark. So I'm a little bit hesitant in looking to lock him in. I'm not saying that he doesn't have the talent to go 94 plus this year. I, I just think it's something that we have to be cognizant of that there may be a little bit more variance because of that. Would you agree? Yeah, most definitely. And I think, uh, well, before we jump to the Hawthorne side, Chiso, I just wanted to get your take on Max King, obviously a 123K rookie. He's already, I'd, I'd say, has one of, if not the best job security um, for a forward rookie in Supercoach. But the scoring potential, 46 points, 82% time on ground. What are you seeing here? I, I, look, I don't mind that. What we have to remember is that these key forwards are going to score poorly the majority of weeks. With guys like Max King, he will pop up and have a three-goal game and he'll score an 85. He's, it's going to have that. But in between that one game, there's not going to be that consistency. He's not the player that's going to consistently put out a 65 every week that you can just bank on. So if I'm having, if I can find a way to keep him at F8, I'm all for that because the biggest thing with rookies is job security. There's no point picking up a player that's you know bargain basement price, has all the scoring power in the world, and plays one game. That helps no one. So if Max King's going to play every game up until the buy and average 45. I've probably made 100k off on him because he's bargain basement anyway. So there's probably a spot for him at F8. And, you know, it's, I'm, if I've done the right thing in structure my side, I'd never have to play him. I'm kind of okay with that. I think for people, my worry is that that F8, they do a couple changes in their side and that F8 ends up becoming very similar to their F6 in terms of scoring potential. If you If you pick three players that probably going to average sub 50, so you're forced to play one every week. It doesn't feel so good. For me personally, I'm actively trying to go deep enough into my forward line so that I don't have to pick Max King this year because I don't think he'll make much money and I don't want his terrible scores. And this is coming from somebody who uh, basically was burned by Bolter for majority of the season. Even though I guess we'll say he came good, um, it just hurt for such long periods of time and being stuck with him and Petricelli um, on my bench in my forward line just gave me such limited flexibility in terms of my upgrades as well, where I had to pretty much either was forced into quickly upgrading my forward line or you know if somebody was out in my forward line they would come on the field and then I would need to upgrade the forward line to get them back off the field and it just it forced my hands way too often last season where I think as part of my lessons learned uh, it would be trying to avoid those players if I can. Yeah and I, I totally agree with that in the fact that it does introduce some difficulties but I would rather have someone consistently playing scoring 40s than donuts and so it, it, 
I think that the takeaway from March 1 is that basically, apart from one or two guys, no rookies stood up that we expected to do. We had a few, um, you know, lock selections like Hayden Young that we thought were going to be in for round one. They're now in the, the rehab group in trouble from round one, may not be in there. And so there's just this... Um, you know, insecurity that I'm sensing through the rookies that we have to choose from. So I would err on the side of caution on picking someone that is playing over being disappointed that they're only scoring me 40s because I might end up picking someone that plays the first two rounds because there was a, a, an injury that, you know, gave them that spot. But then they never come back again until the buy, and that's that's what worries me more in this situation, other than getting stuck with a forty. But it's definitely an interesting discussion to have, and and really good to see both sides of the discussion as well. We will move over onto the Hawks, the one that everyone wants to talk about that I was alluding to right at the top of this game recap. That's Tommy Mitchell, pistol. It, it basically what we wanted to see from him. A bunch of uh, he 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 led the Hawks with contested possessions, which means. You know, he's in and under. They're not babying him at all. They gave him limited time on ground, only 61% time on ground, but he still had 30, uh, sorry, 30, that sounds like Tom Mitchell, 20-odd touches, uh, and he also had about, um, I think it was 20 center bounce attendances or, or, or thereabout pistol. So it's kind of what we wanted to see from Tom Mitchell, and, you know, we were all expecting him to start slow and maybe, you know, a lot of talk that he's going to miss round one. There's none of that anymore. Jeez, I just want to say before I touch on Tom Mitchell, um, did you have Bolter in your team last year? No. I rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> because I had better rookies. Uh, yes, yes. Um, so uh, Tom Mitchell, this, this was a funny game actually for him because he came out in the first quarter and I think he had off the top of my head it was six touches and four tackles. And I was thinking, you know what, Tom Mitchell, he's back. Um you know, he, he looks great. Everyone's going to put him in their team. Awesome. I saw everyone was a bit up and about on Twitter. And then came the next quarter where he had three touches. And everyone was like, I knew he was underdone. He can't <laughs> score well. He's going to start slowly. And for the faintest of seconds, I was like, I'm going to take Tom Mitchell out of my side. He'd stuck, it snuck in there a couple of days earlier. And I'm like, yeah, I might, I might take him out. And then all of a sudden... 12 minutes go by in the third quarter, and he's already racked up nine touches. I'm like, okay, this is what Tom Mitchell can do. It only takes one quarter for him to rack up like 15 disposals, and he's already, you know, his score just rockets. I mean, scoring 89 super coach points off 61 time, time on ground is it's completely fine. But it wasn't really about the score. It never is really about the score on the JLT. It's, it's always about how they look, like the eye test and their position and their role. Like, they're the big factors. And for me, Tom Mitchell, he had no fear. He was uh, attacking the ball. He spread completely fine, which has always been a strength of his. Yes, he needed to, you know, maybe... Obvious, I should say, obviously, he spent 61% time on ground, so there might be question marks over the minutes that he can possibly play. But I don't feel that concerned because I feel like watching him, the package is all there. Like he, he's a hundred. You know, he, he averaged one hundred and thirty um, before his injury, and he's still you know one hundred and thirty average player wrapped up in a neat little box. That's kind of, I'm not going to say guaranteed, but he's he's going to be a good scorer. Um, I will guarantee you that. It's just the little things that I'm concerned about, which would be a slow start, not. You know, over the course of the year, is going to score amazing. I'm just worried about a slow start at the beginning, probably not because of his 
getting the ball and trying to work into it just purely based on reduced minutes at the beginning of the season, which is a complete you know guess. Don't know that will happen. Maybe he comes out and plays 90% time on ground every match. You'd think they might it might ease him back up into it. And will it affect his average enough for him to not be worth a staying selection? I don't know. Uh, the only thing for me that I think is, I guess, a real question mark is last season we saw a lot of the accumulators rack up a lot of the ball and they're scoring just not, I guess, um, match the amount of ball that they were getting. We there saw... were a lot of 40 possession games where they scored sub-tons. Correct. And I'm terrified that we did not get to see Tom Mitchell last season when this seemingly was, the, I guess, one of the first times this had happened. So I'm worried that he you know, racks up this 40 touches every game and instead of the 130s that he was getting in the previous season, he's you know racking up 110 instead. And then all of a sudden, I've started this player that I thought... Um, was a ball magnet. I was right, but the scoring isn't reflected in that. And that that's my worry, Chizo. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose the question is, what's he, he discounted? He discounted about 10%, right? Yep. Something uh, around 10%. So what you're saying is he's going to have a... If he has a slow start, he has to, you know, uh, at least drop 10% from what he previously was to stay around the same price. He has to drop more than 10% from his previous history to not be good value yep. is, is kind of the way I'm seeing it. Yep. So if he averaged 30 touches in his previous, you know, um, uh, his previous season that he played before he hurt himself, he now, if he averages 27, you know, or thereabouts, this is a gross overestimate, you know, example but that's kind of what we're saying. Like he needs he needs to have that ten percent, you know, fall back to the pack, and that's probably not, as you say, from you know reduced touches from not being able to get his hands on the ball. It's probably that time on ground, and so seeing the you know he passed the eye test, everything he did was right, his role was right, his centre bounce attendances were the highest for any midfield of a Hawthorne. All that is just hunky dory. It's the the titch we know. It's the sixty one percent that I want to see increase in Marsh two, and. If it doesn't increase, this, I don't think there's a conclusion that we can take away other than he's going to play reduced minutes in the start of the season, which is going to hurt his average. Yep. So uh, I, I think that's, um, that's very, very important to, uh, to, 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 to stay conscious of. So we'll finish up with Tom Mitchell and we'll move on to um, one that I never actually thought that I would be talking about, Pistol, as an option, but his name just keeps cropping up and I feel it's important that we do touch on him and that's John... Segler, the number one ruck, if reports are to be believed that Ben McAvoy is now a permanent defender. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see that because he was out within the first 90 seconds of the game. (laughs) But what we did see was that Segler can sort of maybe hold his own against the Saints ruckman in this game. And as we say with most uh, number one rucks, they end up averaging around 85 and above at least. It's funny because every year we say, oh man, I wish we could pick more Ruckman because Ruckman just score so well. And then when they pop up like Rowan Marshall, we're like, oh, I don't know if we should pick Rowan Marshall. He might run out of gas. <laughs> um, and there's always some excuses to not pick the Ruckman. But if you Is picked it, Lysette last year... It's the Nank effect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lysette was so good. Rowan Marshall was so good. And these were players, if we'd said that at the beginning of 2019, you would laugh me out of the room. And now I'm saying... John Segler's going to be starting Ruck, and you're thinking, no way, it's John Segler. He's a terrible super coach pick. With, you, you could, it, the, it matches up. He's a number one Ruck. 
He's probably going to go 90+. plus. He's in the forward line, and he has ruck forward DPP. If you average 90-plus in the forward line, you're close to top 6, top 10 forward. Um, I definitely think this is a pick that you actually need to consider and think about rather than just toss it straight out of the room. I mean, if, if you look into it in a little bit more detail, he scored 80 from 66% time on ground. A Ruckman typically will play 80-plus percent time on ground, and he also had four free kicks against, which... Um, it might be his standard, but it seems like quite a lot in 66% time on ground. He almost tunned up from playing, I would say, a very, very average game. Um, so he's someone that you have to consider. You have to consider him, Chizo. Um, just watch him again next week. Yeah, and you know, priced at an average of 77. If he's going to go 97, suddenly that's really good value. So the fact that you can pick him in the forward line and that he has that DPP is definitely something to think about. It's going to take a lot for me to be convinced not to start Grundy and Gorn. I mean, it's going to take bilateral ACLs from <laughs> one of them just to, to, to make me want to stop them. But definitely something to think about because uh, a, a lot of coaches do like that sleep at night factor of having that that um, that safety if, if one of them does go down. Um, so, yeah, certainly something to think about and... Um, We'll assess more. It would have been nice to see McAvoy play a full game, and so hopefully in March two, with you know Sicily back as well, we can see kind of what you know what they're they're going to be doing going forward. So um, the the only one the one that we do need to talk about pistol taking a few kickouts was Damon Greaves, uh, just the seventy seven super coach points, uh, but seventeen touches. And uh, at 90% time on ground was a good thing to see from a rookie-priced, um, you know, defense eligibility player. Uh, obviously, with McAvoy going down and Sicily not being there, who also, you know, will cut their time across uh, the, the back line. Just something to think about and uh, be watchful of, don't you think? I think, yeah, his positioning was good, hard running. He got a bit of the ball, uh, which is always nice to see for a defender rookie. And 77, nothing to sneeze at. I know he played a lot of time on grounds, but um, if he's got the tank, why not um, in the prop, in, in the seat when the season starts? And for a defender rookie, that is probably going to be your D8. If he plays this well again, um, I think he could be in line for a round one start. So, yeah, let's wait and see how he goes in the, the next Marsh game. Yeah, considering how disappointing the rookies were on the whole over the the first Marsh um, weekend, it was it was nice to see someone that I didn't at all have my eyes on um, pop up. So uh, definitely one to to think about. We'll jump into the next game. Uh, that is the doggies and the ruse, and it was pretty much what we could expect from the Western Bulldogs. All their their usual um, big guns in Bontepelli, McRae, Hunter, and Dunkley just filling up um, the stack uh, the stat sheet. And just basically making a mockery of North Melbourne, uh, who for the majority of the, the the evening were actually trying to have some decent setups through the middle. Yeah, look, it's pretty hard to just even talk about this game without just straight away talking about Bontempelli. I mean, I and mean, it, it 195 super coach points. What what, what are we going to say? Um, it's, I didn't even care what the scoreline was of the game, honestly. <laughs> 37 touches, 8 tackles, 2 goals, and the man is huge. He is a beast. Um, all I can say is I, I know everyone's worried about Bont and the tag and him going forward, but good luck trying to stop him one-on-one in the in the midfield. He's bigger than Cripps. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's just, those big bodies are just unstoppable. And, you know, to put it in perspective, if we go through some of the center bounce attendances, it was a very clear... I was very good to see the Bulldogs not babying their stars through the through the you know the first weekend of the March. So going through the centre bounce attendances, Bonapelli twenty four, Dunkley twenty two, McRae twenty one, Sweet as the Ruckman twenty, and then outside of those standard four, you've got Lipinski with nine. So it, it, it's really signaling signaling to me that they were you know letting these uh, midfielders gel together again, as opposed to what we saw a number of other teams do, where they just threw in some VFL players here and there for fifteen centre bounce attendances just to get some run in the legs and some experience. The Western Bulldogs just threw in their three big guns and said, you know what, have at it. And Bondapelli certainly did. The thing with Bonds is. We, you could probably name eight midfielders that would score better or the same as Bonson and Pelly. But the problem is, oh, I mean, maybe, the, is that the big call cheese? Or should I just quickly name those eight? I might, I might do that. Otherwise, I'll get a lot of hate online. It, it, it could, it could be anyone. Like it, you could have Titch up there. You could. T- it's all, it's all personal. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to call you out on that. You, you, I'm, I'm going to name, just him, name them if you need through. to justify yourself. I'll just say McRae, Dunkley, Titch. Kelly, Cripps, Neil, Dangerfield, Fife, you know, and then we've got Bond at number nine, I think. Um, okay, in terms yeah. of scoring potential, it's hard to judge Bond and Pelly because he honestly could go 115 or he could be the high scoring player in the game. Like, you wouldn't be surprised if Bond and Pelly just like averaged 135 just because he played midfield for every minute of every game and just, you know, is, is Bond and Pelly. Um, that's the thing is that role for me, it's always like Bond and Pelly is so big that if he ever does get tagged, surely he goes forward. I, I know everyone says, see, this is a hard argument because everyone says, oh, Bontempelli will play forward and that's why you don't really want to select him. Um, and it's, it's kind of true. Like you, if you put him forward, he can't really be stopped. He's, he's massive. But at the same time, this year, do you think it's going to be possible to stop him? And also, would you rather, if you can't stop him, put a tag on someone like McRae or Dunkley instead? Yeah, well, I think this is the this is the year. Like the those the Bulldogs midfield is scary, man. Like they the those three, if they're in there for you know ninety percent of the centre bounce attendances this year, they're going to be an absolute scary proposition, especially with like the likes of Tim um, English developing as well. Um, the the thing with Bont is what he did. What he had lots of tackles, lots of marks, like t- possessions, and all that kind of stuff. The one thing that he did that he didn't do last year that I think was worth 50 or maybe 60 super coach points was he actually kicked accurately. <laughs> he kicked two goals, which pretty much encompasses his entirety of last season. That he, even when he was playing forward, I think he averaged between 110 and 115 for the year. But I think he, he had one of the worst shot at goal percentages in the competition. And it's literally. If he could kick like an, if he could kick at goal like an average AFL football, not a good one, just literally this middle of the bell curve average shot at goal, he probably averaged 120 last year. Yep, no, 15 goals, 20, 25 he kicked. So <laughs> you are you are right with that, Chiso. And for those people that are saying you can't start with three doggies midfielders, this is a JLT game, obviously. So you can't take. We were just saying the scores, take it with a grain of salt. But really. They've all last year averaged really well together. There is 
every opportunity for all of them to go 120 plus, three of them, I'm talking Bontempelli, McRae and Dunkley um, this year. They're all just pick who you want, who you think will be the best scoring players regardless of what team they play for. Don't take that into consideration. Obviously, there's like a risk-averse strategy where you can split the risk and stuff like that. But in terms of overall, um, that that's more of a classic strategy where you're playing head-to-head games and you, you know, um, Bulldogs play the best team in the competition, let's say Collingwood, and uh, all of their you know points drop away for one week. But then the next week they play Gold Coast and they all score 150s. Like it averages out over the end of the year. So if you're playing for overall, just pick the players you think that are going to score the most amount of points and, and just leave it at that. Yeah, I totally agree. And the, the the one benefit that if you were looking at starting all three is they do have the final buy. So that that, that can, you know, we always talk about slightly back-ending your buys. So that, that could definitely work into um, a strategy if you plan out the rest of your team as, as yeah, well. Yeah, and three, just... three plays in the same buy is not a big deal. Yes, he shares the same buy with GWS, so maybe don't get Josh Kelly or even four, like literally four people in the same buy is completely fine. You have eight midfielders starting midfielders and there's three buys one of them are probably going to have four like if it's not the last one it's going to be one of the other two so like i i don't really see a big deal whatsoever in in starting all three and and considering that round 14 when they have their buy you're kind of saying i'm going to not have them for 13 rounds and then i'm going to have them for eight I would more than rather have the highest scoring players for the start of the year as opposed to picking them up for five at the end of the year, you know what I mean? So um, definitely don't use that that they're on the same team as a negative. The only, Yeah, it, it all evens out. They've all shown their potential. Um, and it, it pretty much we don't have to talk about uh, McRae at all. He just does what he does. Dunkley, I was interested in the preseason. In a, a presser, I believe, he did mention that uh, he he made an offhand comment that he's going to do what the team wants, whatever that is, if that means playing more time forward. And then the, everyone just you know the just the house started falling down around them. Ah, oh, we can't pick Josh Dunkley. It's interesting because he had the second most centre bounce attendances. He had twenty two, only behind Bont. And you know so there's a, a a clear indication to me that he's one of their designated three mids they're going to be using. So uh, I don't. I'm not concerned at this stage that those comments hold all that much weight, Pistol. Um, and another thing that I do want to mention on Dunkley that you know really opened my eyes to him. Yes, he had a good backhand of the year, back end of the year, but seven of his first nine games are at Marvel, and when he moved into the midfield last year, in the remaining games of the year, I think it was ten games over the rest of the year that he was in the midfield. Um, playing at Marvel, he averaged 134.6 or something like that off the top of my head. If I can have a 10-game stretch up until the buys with Josh Dunkley averaging 135, I'm gonna, I'd, I'd love that. I would absolutely love that pistol. Well, look, for me, my first, I guess, not my first, but very, the, the, some players in my team have just not been removed. Um, there's actually very few that have not been removed, and two of them are McRae and Dunkley. So you don't have to sell me on that one, Chiso. Someone that you might need to sell me on, though, is Caleb Daniel. Seventy, uh, sorry, 92 super coach points this week in 84% time on ground. How do you see him um, as an option in our defense spots? He's just that safety, isn't he? He's just that... that 
player in that's just going to get you your, your low 90s, your mid 90s, just, uh, you, know, you know, very low tons year in, year out, a uh, gaming game out even. He doesn't have the mat, like the greatest ceiling. You're not going to see Caleb Daniel and have like a 150 as you might see from like a Sicily when he has his good days. But Daniel's floor is fantastic. Uh, he's super consistent. Um, and, you know, he scored, he averaged 26 disposals per game in 2019, and he only had 20 on the weekend and still scored 92. So uh, had the same role as far as I could tell, had the same time on ground. It almost looked like the Doggies were playing their, what they considered to be um, very close to their best 22 um, for the most part. And a, a lot of their, their players like Bont, McRae, Dunkley, uh, and, and Daniel, these kind of guys were playing the roles that I think that they'll play in the main season. So if you're looking for that safety, uh, Caleb Daniel is one to look at because there's a lot of value in the defense, but with comes uh, you know with value comes a lot of uh, inherent risk because people are priced down from what you know uh, they've scored in the past for a, a reason. But with you know Daniel, there's that inherent kind of um, you know sleep at night factor as I keep coming back to, and if that's something that is that holds value for you when you pick your side, definitely a valuable selection. So over to the North Melbourne side, there's a couple of players I want to ask you about, Chizo. Uh, one yep. that I'm not going to touch on, just a passing comment, Todd Goldstein is still a phenomenal Supercoach scorer, um, 100 Supercoach points, 72% time on ground. Definitely, I mean, I, I would still go with Grundy and Gorn, but if you weren't going to go with one of them, Goldstein is, I'd still say, most likely going to be the next best choice. Um, in terms of rookies, though, uh, Tristan Sherry he is a 123 uh, ruck forward um, for North Melbourne. Now, he only played because Ben Brown was injured. However, what a performance he put on. He was absolutely amazing, which leads me to believe that potentially throughout the year, maybe um, North Melbourne might play him and Goldstein, just as they played Campbell and Goldstein at stages uh, throughout their um, careers at North Melbourne together. Terry scored 98 super coach points in 79% uh, time on ground. He kicked two goals, had 24 hitouts. Um, really, if he is named, he could be making us a lot of money and is, you know, even if he's not named, if you pick him as your R3, North Melbourne are the best loopholing options uh, for your captaincy loophole throughout the year. So it's kind of a win-win. It's just... You pick him if he doesn't play, great. You got a loophole. If he does play, great. You got an amazing cash cow. What's not? <laughs> what's not to like, Jizo? Yeah, and uh, you know, inevitably, one of our other rookies in our side are going to be missing on a given week. So you, you might actually still have the flexibility of a um, a, a captaincy loophole. Anyway, um, yeah, I totally agree. The the only thing is, um, they clearly gave him more time in the ruck than I think we would see in the main season. I think that's indicated by the fact that he had 24 hitouts. He he had almost equal hitouts to what Jordan Sweet did on the Bulldogs. There, he and and Goldstein absolutely you know monster Jordan <laughs> Sweet. So it's not like he's coming up um, against a Gorn or a Grundy or a Nick Nat or you know some of these you know massive you know well grounded um, AFL ruckmen that have you know spent eight years in the game learning their craft. It's a very, very good game, and the strategy behind it, I think, is fantastic. I think it's also important not to get too far ahead of ourselves because uh, I don't think this is 
something that we can expect for, you know, even if he does play um, in, in the start of the season, I'm not sure that this kind of scoring power is something that we should expect on a week-by-week basis. And, you know, if he's averaging, you know, 60 and only playing, you know, every second week, it's going to be, you know, more frustrating than it is positive. Um, so just, just, just definitely something to consider. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hope that, that that kind of brings some clarity to that pistol. If it, if it doesn't, then you can just blame me. <laughs> um, but another another rookie that we should talk about, Aiden Bonner, basically what we wanted to see from him. I, like, I've got to be honest, I didn't have super high hopes that he was going to come out and justify his price tag. But, you know, at his price tag, I'm, I, I want to see 75 and above consistency. Or thereabouts. I, I want to know that if I'm investing 200k, the same money that I'm going to get with Matty Rao, that I can feel confident that he's going to get me a 75 on any given week. I want to see that from Aiden Bonner. The thing with his game is he's you know one of those bull inside midfielders um, that you know rotate forward a little bit. His career in the in in uh, you know the under leagues has been low possession count but high pressure count. So he's kind of making up those super coach points through the eight tackles that he had and being a you know a high pressure player. Um, he's not going to be one of those guys that gets you thirty five disposals on any given week. So he's going to be he, he his game is not built around that, and I think that's important. And that kind of explains why I wasn't super hot on Aiden Bonner. But actually, you know, the eye test that we talk about, he actually looked quite good, Pistol. What what were your thoughts on Aiden Bonner? Look, I am someone who has not been a big fan of him as a super super coach selection um, so far in this preseason. And I I was surprised. I mean, he scored 76 points and 61% time on ground, which is a great um, points per minute. Again, 15 touches, 8 tackles is kind of exactly what I expected. However, he didn't play with Higgins and he didn't play with Zebo in the side. I mean, really, he could be pushed out of that midfield so quickly and then you're left with nothing. You're not left... You're what? It's, it's just a failed pick, especially at his high cost and he won't make much money. Um, that might be a bit of a, a leap given we don't know how he plays with them, but I'd love to see North Melbourne... Uh, use a, a full strength lineup going into the next um, Marsh match just so we can see how he can score with all of those big bodies around him because I'm still not convinced on him as a pick this year. So, I, I, you know, if I said to you, people are jumping up and about saying, yeah, he's a good pick, and I say, what if he comes out next week and scores sub-50 with a, a full strength side? Then then what? You're not going to be picking him. Um, so I wouldn't call him a lock by any stretch of the imagination, Chizo. Yeah, and you know what? I tend to agree. That's exactly the the kind of thinking that I was coming from. Um, and, and again, referring back to the centre bounce attendances, we wanted to see that he was going to be um, in and around the football. His pedigree, his high pick, um, and and you know his his on ball, inside ball winning midfielder kind of traits. Without Higgins, without Zebel, we would have hoped to see him as one of the top centre bounce attendances. He only had nine. I think he was eighth on the list, um, including Goldstein um, and Terry. So uh, it's it's positive. Really good to see from him. Really hopeful to see the same thing from uh, uh, from the you know Marsh too. So uh, definitely one um, to keep an eye on their pistol. Uh, and no other 
really relevant super coach from either side. I guess it's just there's... maybe Jack Money from North Melbourne had, I guess, a lot of people watching him. They thought, yeah, he's going to be Melbourne's best 22. 30 super coach points from 69% time on ground. Looks like he might need a bit more time to develop. Um, not sold on him at all as a super coach rookie option for our forward line. So might give that one a pass, Chiso. Yeah, so far down the list, didn't even acknowledge his, that his presence, unfortunately, <laughs> right at the bottom. Uh, Pistol, we will jump into the next game now. It was the Demons and the Crows, and there was one incredible performance that we have been waiting for five years, Pistol. I can't tell you how long I've held this guy in a keeper league waiting for this moment. And yes, I've still been offered chips when I've been trying to trade him this week, but 188 Supercoach from Christian Petrarca is just incredible. And you want to know the most important thing that I took out of this game. It wasn't the 38 disposal. It wasn't the three goals. It was the 86% time on ground. Everyone keeps saying that Christian Petrarca doesn't have a tank. He'll never be a midfielder. He played sole mid pretty much the entire game, and he nearly played the entire game. And I think that is my biggest takeaway We've all known that, always known that he always, he always knew he could do this. It just was always the question um, if he had the tank to do it and whether that was the reason they kept him in the forward line for so long. I'd love to know your thoughts. Chizo, I'm somebody that has never picked Petrarca before. You literally coined the phrase Petrapa uh, a couple of seasons <laughs> back and you still picked him and it went poorly. I'm just hearing you talk about him and I'm like, Oh no! <laughs> this it's is happening. it's happening I, I, again. I minced my words because I was getting too excited as well. I was just like, "I've you know, he's just the love of my life. I want him in my side. <laughs> he looks so good at F four. It's uh, yeah, he's just it was the all round game and something that we've been you know expecting from him from a long, long time. And uh, you know, a lot of people. Um, sorry, a lot of players that do transition, I'm thinking particularly of Dusty here. I'm not comparing them at all, but Dusty (laughs) spent the first couple years honing his craft until he became a genuinely elite half-forward, built his tank, moved into the midfield, and then went bang. It's just something to... There's a little bit of mirroring going on that I'm seeing. And that's... There's, you know, I, I put my hand up, Pistol. I, I can hear it in your voice. There's 100% bias in this. I acknowledge that. But I, I really, really like... The, it, you talk about eye tests. He passed it. <laughs> he did pass the eye test. I do want to say, though, as somebody uh, that has, as I said, uh, not going to be biased. Definitely uh, much less biased than you are, Chizo. Yeah. That's why we got if, you on the podcast, mate. If he was a defender that played 100% midfield, I would say, and scored 188, I would say, yeah, that guy's going into my side straight away. Don't even need to see the next march. Well, I, I mean, I do need to see the next march, but uh, <laughs> I, I would just pick him. I'd say, yep, he played midfield, out of position, great. Straight in my seat, done. Now that it's Petrarca, people are like, ah, oh, he's a trap, he's done it before. 188 points, 27 contested possessions, 38 Broke touches. The record. As a forward in Supercoach, I think you've got to put him in your side just for now, see how he plays next week. You can always take him out, but at this very point in time, all we know is he played a lot of midfield time. He's listed as a forward. He's, you know, 443k. Just 
pick him for now and see what happens. I know people are going to ask questions. Yes, Brayshaw didn't play. He didn't have this, you know, I guess, midfield conundrum um, all around him where we don't know which are going to be there, four or five midfielders. I'm just saying, just think about it for one second. Like, if Oliver is probably the first selected midfielder, Petrarca is the next selected midfielder. Like, yes, Viney can't really play in other positions and um, would struggle if he wasn't selected in the midfield, but you're still picking Petrarca. And people who then say, yeah, what about the forward line gap that they have? Like, they make do. They've got T-Mac and Wiedemann and Fritz, and like Vandenberg looks really good. Um, you know, they've got enough players to just, like, give it a crack. Melksham's good. Um, Pickett will play, you'd think. Uh, yeah, that... Definitely, I think there's enough to suggest that he's going to be a worthwhile selection. Even if he plays um, more midfield time on last year, he already averaged in the 80s. So he's just going to end up averaging above 90 if he gets 10, 20% more mid time. So I think it's actually a pretty safe selection, which is crazy, Cheeso. Yeah, and you know, if we go through the, his games played in the last four years since he's come back from his knee, he has 17, 22, 21, 22. So he's actually kind of durable. He, I think he unfairly gets the, the tag of not being durable. So uh, one game in the last three years being missed, I think, I think is pretty good. And he's gone 78, 80, and then, or 78, 81, and then 80 as his averages. So if there is an uptick... Uh, you know, oh, sorry. Even if there isn't an uptick, you're not, you know, buying an absolute dud that's going to get you 50. So um, there's certainly some positives to it. There are some caveats to it. Um, there was no Max Gorn feeding it to him, which you could see as a positive or a negative. They had Sam Wiedemann uh, against Riley O'Brien and Billy Frampton. Uh, he got monstered. So they, they were getting the, the majority um, either sharked or around the grounds um, where he was getting those touches. And uh, I, I think that's important to, to note that, you know, when the season comes around, you know, is that going to make too big of a difference? I'm not sure. Uh, but the thing that did make the difference on the day is that the Crows just certainly weren't running their main midfield setup. They had a lot of attendances from, um, you know, their younger brigade. They had Miles Paholke in there as their highest centre bounce attendance um, rookie. They had Matt Crouch in for 15, Brad Crouch in for, in for 13. Uh, this is from 29 centre bounces, uh, by the way. And they had Chase Jones, they had Ben Keyes, Rory Atkins, not exactly the creme de la creme of midfielders that they have at Adelaide, uh, besides the, the, the Crouch brothers, and that's no knock on those guys. But in comparison, out of 29 centre bounce attendances, both Petrarca and Oliver had 23. It, it, it's, it's reasonably easy to assume that the role has been switched and that's what they're going to do. But I think, you know, even with the main Adelaide midfield, I can still see him having an absolute torching game. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that kind of sums up our thoughts on Christian Petrarca. Uh, I-, I guess the offhanded comment is, does this impact Clayton Oliver in any way, either positive or negative? What are your thoughts? Well, it's a bit too early to be able to tell. I wouldn't think that it's uh, negative for him, you know, someone else that can help no, him get the ball. I think it helps him. I th- yeah, yeah, I think they're passing to each him. other. Yeah, I-, I-, I honestly think that the mid the midfielders that the demons have had over the last few seasons have left a lot of work a lot of grunt work a lot of bodying in the contest and you know getting the ball out and shoveling it out have left it a lot to Clayton Oliver and you know i i see this as a positive not just for Petrarca's uptick but i kind of see this as a positive for Oliver's uptick 
and you know, I, I obviously have bias with Oliver as well. I went a year a year early and picked him last year, thinking that was the year that you know he, he had that uh, that that next level breakout. Um, so I'm finding it difficult not to um, you know kind of see the the, the positives in in this situation, uh, but definitely definitely one to think about. Were there any Adelaide Crows that you know caught your eye in a game where they uh, were reasonably flat for the most part? I did just want to add though. If Petraka is playing full time mid, hypothetically, and Oliver is playing full time mid, who are you tagging? You're, yeah. You're probably tagging Petraka, I guess, I, I think. Um, so, I don't know. That's definitely something to discuss. I will say Tom Sparrow played in the midfield, 77 points, um, 60% time on ground as a 182k forward rookie. Um, playing in the midfield, but you'd think with Brayshaw coming bit, back, he would be. Bit uh, expensive, maybe, too. I, I, I mean, yeah. scoring potential seemingly there. I just don't think that that will be the role uh, when we actually come to round one. And uh, yeah, Kasaya right. Pickett as well. He's 153k rookie, scored 43. He's going to have terrible scoring potential. It's like Max King, but you're paying 30k more. So yeah. um, hard pass for me on that Similar one. Similar with Luke McDonald, uh, we should mention as well. Luke McDonald, Luke Jackson. Sorry, Luke. Jo- oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, Luke Jackson. Very similar in that vein. I think the 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 price to points ratio is just too difficult to justify, even if they do play round one. Definitely. So back to answering your question about the Crows. Uh, I think the only person I was impressed with in the entire of the Crows side was probably Chase Jones. Sixty nine percent time on ground, seventy four Super Coach points. I really like him. He has been in my team for a lot of the preseason. I took him out after this wow. game. Wow. Yeah, and it was kind of uh, unlike me. But I took him out after this match just because I thought, what am I doing? I'm paying 270K. I'd need him to average 85, I think, yeah. for him to be that, a that successful was, That was pick. my thinking as well. Like I, I like the idea of him breaking out. The people that have you know, identified it, I think that they're on the money. I'm just not sure at that price I'm seeing the value. It's a bad price. If Yeah. I, I It's funny because I say Duday is the same price and I say, yeah, Duday is going to go 85 and you're like, yeah, I'll pick him. Um, Chase Jones, 85. I'm like, ah, will he? I don't know. I feel like there's much higher risk there. I mean, Duday's injured Well, we've now seen anyway. Duday do it before, haven't we? Yes, we have. And, and Chase Jones, average eight, yeah. I think he'll be good. Um I think it's just a bit too much risk for me after watching him. I'm I'm going to take a step back and, you know, kudos to those that pick him. And if it goes well, good on you. If it doesn't, I mean, I guess you knew the risk when you're taking it. Um, Chizo, other than that, Ned McHenry, we probably need to talk about. Only the 42% time on ground. Did okay, super coach wise. 37 points in 42% time on ground translates to, you know, a score, I guess, in the 70s-ish. If he was uh, 60-70s, if he played a normal game time. I think he'll get there for round one. Um, but I'm not certain, and not just that. I don't know if he'll be someone you want to play on your field in that midfield as well at your M8. So yeah. it's not a great spot to be. It was a little bit disappointing from the Crows yeah, the Crows rookies. I, I had a few that I was looking at. I was looking at Shane McAdam, Ned McHenry, and Billy Frampton were a, a couple that I was looking at. Billy Frampton was selectable as a forward. Um, and you know what? I just didn't see what I wanted to see from them. Um, all bad. I, all yeah, bad. Yeah, I mean, Shane McAdam probably, you know, 
he played 67%, but the, the eye test, I was really struggling to, to, to find reasons that, you know, to explain how he was having such a, a poor game other than the fact that Adelaide were getting, you know, spanked. And, you know, if I am honest, I think that probably continues in 2020 in the regular season. So extrapolating from that, do I see him being that type of forward that's going to average 55 to 60? I reckon that's really, really pushing it. Um, but, you know, if, he, if he's got the job security, you've got to consider him. So it's definitely uh, definitely one to, to have a look at. Yeah, I think... Uh, the other one that... I- speaking of spanks, Chizo, Jordan Buttons, mm. uh, we definitely need to talk about. <laughs> uh, 55 points from 80% time on ground. Uh, <laughs> you like that one? Selectable as a defender rookie. Um, I think he might play... Um, 123k. I think he's a good chance for round one. I don't think he'll score very well either. He could be a D8 though. Um, I just don't feel great about any of these Adelaide rookies, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I'm totally on board with that. I definitely need to see Marsh too, considering there's so many. Uh, we should also mention someone that didn't play, Tom Duday, had a setback um, in the last few days on his road to uh, from uh, you know back from recovery to, from that knee injury. That you know he was already having limited minutes, not playing Marsh one with the aim of playing um, the under twenty three game, and you know now he's had that recent setback. I think that's enough for me personally. Even if he gets up for round one, which is uh, is we're hearing as being reported as touch and go, I think that's enough for me to be on the almost line through list to kind of think you know i'll keep my eye out for him you know if he you know suits up in in marsh two and then suddenly come you know is ready and raring to go for round one but i'm almost at the stage where i just haven't seen what i need to see at this part of the preseason, and then with that little setback on top of it i think i'm just moving on i think i'm touch and go too i touched him early and now he's gone so, it's out of my sight. Are it's you getting bored? Is this dragging on for you, mate? Are you, are you, are you getting sick of the podcasting? <laughs> Trying to spice it up a little bit, are you? You know me too well. Let's jump into the next game, though. Gold Coast Suns versus Geelong. This was, I guess, an unexpected result, but also Geelong just rolled over and died. They didn't play with you know Selwood and Duncan and Managola and half their team. And then when they were losing, they decided to play Dangerfield forward, which I would say is strange, except they did the same thing in the finals. Um, so I guess that's not that strange. But Gold Coast Suns, I don't really care about the score. Obviously, they thumped Geelong. I was more impressed with their ball movement. That was something mm. that really stood out. Just how and their quickly. Pressure. Yeah, they were moving it around. I still think they'll come bottom two sides, but I think if you're not paying attention against Gold Coast this year, you could find yourself you know, down a couple of goals at a random time in the match just because I think they could hit the scoreboard quickly. Um, and uh, I'm actually a little bit excited about watching some of their games, which I can't say I've said for like the last three, four years. Yeah, that, that trumpet guy that sits in the crowd after every goal, <laughs> I'm worried that he might need to go see a respiratory specialist. His, his lungs are going to be worn out if they have a, another game like this in the preseason. <laughs> uh, but we saw some good things from Hugh Greenwood, 109 super coach, 25 touches, nine tackles. This the key point is that Hugh has never averaged above 17 touches in a season and he's just had 25 and gone 109 super coach. This is I feel like this is 
higher than what he's going to average in the year. It's it's absolutely great for those that were thinking of picking him. I absolutely loved his role. I liked the the pressure that he was putting on. Um, you know, he topped the the equal first for tackles on the night. He's always been a good pressure player. I just feel 25 touches and nine tackles to average over the entire season is just a little too high for Hugh. And I see it coming back closer to the early 20s. And, you know, maybe I still think the mid-90s is kind of where he's at. I will say that I was wrong, which is pretty rare um, for me to say, (laughs) not for me to actually be wrong. Um, But I expected Greenwood to play, I guess, less midfield time than I watched him play. He was just basically a pure midfielder. Um, so I thought about what I'd said about Petrarca and said, well, if there's a guy and he's playing full-time midfielder and he's selectable in the forward line, I should just do it and reassess at the next marsh. So my team has been destroyed. I've ripped it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've I proper ripped it up. I've proper ripped I feel I'm full super coach nothing right now, um, just picking <laughs> in the highest scoring plays. Not, not quite. Don't have Bonson Pella yet. Um, do you have Darcy McPherson? I <laughs> don't have Darcy McPherson. <laughs> it's just if they're going to be... It's, it's just about the role. I didn't really care that he scored 109. It was just he's, he played the whole game in the midfield, which I did not expect him to do. If he does that again next week, I'm going to pick him just because of that role. Um, you know, it can't be... He can't score worse than last season, and he's definitely got upside of, you know, 100 um, if he's playing in that role. So for me, I'll watch him again next week. If he's a full-time midfielder, he'll he'll be in my side for round one. Yeah, I think that that's a fair assessment. Uh, another player that we were reasonably impressed with was Matty Rowell. 100 supercoach points. <laughs> he's got his first ton in the AFL, 20 disposals, 9 tackles. Um, you know, he's, he's that in, in and under contested player. He took a little bit to warm up, but I saw some really, really nice things from him. He is a beast. He is a big dude. He is going to dominate AFL. I am so excited for him. I am completely biased. I traded half my keeper side for pick number one um, in preparation for this moment. <laughs> I did it last year. Hey, at year. least I got Walsh. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I had to uh, trade for futures last season, just waiting for Matthew Rowell to play. Obviously, if you're priced above 200k as a rookie, 207k to be exact, you need to have good scoring potential. And he showed that he can definitely do, will make money and do what Walsh did. Um, I think he's got, he he can go between 80 and 90 easily. Um, So for me, an absolute lock has not left my side, will not leave my side. And I would recommend everybody to make sure that you have him in in your team because not only does he have good job security, he will make you money and he will score well. Yeah, yeah, it sums it up pretty well. Another one that kind of came out of the woodworks, Connor Buderick. He play, you know, he's he's cut his craft as a you know a, a forward pocket, you know, pushing up the ground a little bit. And they had him in the defence line. And you know what? He did not look out of place. Um, you know, spending some time down there, he attacks the ball hard. He puts on a lot of pressure. Uh, a little bit undersized. Uh, you you could say compared to you know a lot of AFL footballers, but you know he's literally just been picked up in the draft. He's you know you know forward mid eligible, and if he's going to get you know a decent crack at the game, I, I'm I'm really really keen on that. Eighty five percent time on ground, I only saw good things from him. Hundred and six k forward midfielder DPP is the exact player we want. He has yeah. 
decent scoring potential based off a of one-game sample size, so that's not great. But he has you know that price that's cheaper than the other basement rookies. Frees up cash, DPP. He's really the the perfect F8. Forget Max King. Um, this is the guy that I want at my F8. And I guess some people you could even start him on field depending on um, how you've structured your side. Although I wouldn't recommend it, but it's definitely um, I, I wouldn't you know. Um, lift my nose and walk away from a side with him at, at, at F6. Well, well, here's a question. I think that we're going to find a few rookies in the forward line. Let's say that you have um, Hill at F4. I reckon you could scrape together two forward rookies that will score well enough to be on-field players. I'm, I'm not seeing a whole lot of midfield rookies that I have the confidence in right now. It wouldn't be... A, like a crazy idea to consider him for you use that DPP and can consider using him in the midfield as you know maybe your first emergency, uh, depending on what shows up in the preseason. I I don't see that as a bad option either because I still think we are going to be able to find um, a, a number of rookies to stick in the midfield. I honestly am having the most difficulty trying to find some midfield rookies to get on there. I'm not, I'm, have you had the same problem, or are you you're feeling have. like you've yeah? No, like no, I, I feel like that DPP is more useful actually putting it to use. Do you know what I mean? I've n- never started with a DPP in my midfield because I, I usually there's just enough midfield rookies that you don't need to worry about it, and it feels like a waste to have a forward taking up a midfield slot when those mid rookies make more money and score better than forward rookies. Um, but this year, so far, who knows? It might be an exception just because of the lack of uh, midfield options. So we'll wait and see, um, Chizo, to answer you on that question. But um, some other rookies that I want to quickly touch on, Noah Anderson. Um, look, paying 200k for somebody who scored 59 in 77% time on ground, he's going to be a good player, sure. But he's 200k and he doesn't have yeah. amazing scoring potential. I think you need to stay away from him. Just, Undersized and not the right role. He's not going to do it for us this year in Supercoach, so uh, pass there. Jeremy Sharp, I mean, I was excited to watch him, obviously, as a midfielder. I, I wanted those rookies, but uh, 16 points in 40% time on ground. He looked okay when he came on. I, I just need to see him play a full game of footy rather than just you know just the 40%. Um, Jez McLennan, 123K defender. 36 points in 86% time on ground. You can cross him out. He's not going to make you any money, um, which is a little bit devastating. I was hoping that... Bargain basement, so like, keep an eye on him. He might have a, a, a good march too, but you're absolutely right. I wouldn't. Yeah, I'd be very surprised given how he played. The last person I wanted to talk about on this side was Lockie Weller. Uh, Chizo, he had a monster amount of center bounce attendances and only played 48% time on ground, scoring 75 super coach points in that time. He is selectable as a defender. Um, what are your thoughts there, given his price is at 480k? I just don't see the growth in him. I, I honestly, I don't see him going to the level that we need him to to make that price point work for us. I, I think at that price, it's a kind of a, an all-or-nothing situation. You're not gonna, if he is averaging high enough to make you enough money off it, then he's almost a, a keeper. So you've got to be confident that he's going to stay on your side. I'm not personally, you know, I'm not at that stage where I can see it just yet 
considering he is a little bit more outside than inside. And they've just picked up the likes of Greenwood and Rao, which will also be playing through the midfield. Uh, one, I mean, you're the one that brought him up. Why don't you tell me what you saw? <laughs> I mean, I saw a player that was scoring well as a defender playing as a midfielder. Um, you know, obviously 480k, you're picking him for the whole year. But my worry, 48% time on ground is not enough of a sample size for me to make an accurate assessment of the situation. I'm, I'm going to watch him in March too and see how he goes. If he's going to play, you know, 80% time on ground all as a midfielder, um, I wonder what flowing effects it has on the side. I want to see where Took Miller plays, Swallow plays, if Greenwood gets pushed forward maybe. Um, that's more what I'm interested in when, I, when I'm talking about him. Uh, Chizo, how about we jump into the Geelong side because there's uh, one special man that I think we need to talk about, and that's Quinton Narkel. 113 supercoach points in just 65% time on ground. It sounds ridiculous, but we know how he went at the end of last season where he played the final three games and scored a 123, 56, and a 134. Um, I do want to quickly point out, though, because probably everyone's going to be building him up, but in the final series where he did play, he scored 45, 67, and 55, which were all quite poor scores, and I feel like people just forget that and they just say his final three games over and over to try and convince us that he's a good pick. Um, However, back to my original point, he absolutely torched this game. He played in the midfield. He was unbelievable. He has some serious scoring potential, this kid. 26 touches, uh, 10 clearances. Um, he comes in just under 400k in the midfield. Is he a mid-pricer option, Chizo? He's an option that you consider. I can't say that he's on my watch list. We, you look at the centre bounce attendances for Geelong last season, and behind Selwood and Danger, I think he was third on the list. And you know, looking projecting forward to the Marsh one, he was uh, only behind Tom Atkins in terms of centre bounce attendances from midfielders. So. It seems to me like that role going forward into 2020 is going to continue in getting that midfield time because Geelong, you know, for a long time have been considered to have a great midfield. I don't really see those young guys really staking a claim to be the next big superstar midfielder for Geelong. So when you look past the the, the obvious players, who are these young guys that they're throwing in there? They're going to have to start throwing people in. And Narkel is definitely one um, that, that I really, really think is going to benefit um, highly in 2020. The question is, at 400k, does he have enough room to grow? And it's pretty much the same answer over and over again. I'm just not sure personally there's enough growth for me if he doesn't become a keeper. I think we saw in the final series what happened with the, I guess absence of Tim Kelly where Selwood played um, majority in the centre. He had a lot of CBA, so did Dangerfield. And I feel like it's the old brigade that will kind of get back together. Maybe they have that last spot and Narkel, I guess, substitutes in for um, Tim Kelly, which I actually expect that to happen. But in terms of his scoring potential then, um, I'm not certain that he's going to be able to maintain this 100 average that you kind of really want for him at 400k I think you're more likely to get an average uh, in the 90s instead and at that price I think you really need to nail it and for it to be a 100 plus for him to be a worthwhile selection yeah yeah I totally agree Uh, in, in terms of some of the rookies that we did see um, from the Cats we obviously had uh, Brady Close we had Cooper Stevens. And who's the third one I'm thinking of? Jacob uh, Kennelly 
not amazing games from the three of those, but good to see that they got a you know, got a decent chunk um, uh, of game time. I see it very difficult for these. It's kind of like last year. It was very, very difficult for Constable to get a game when it looked like that he was at the level that should be playing AFL. I kind of see that affecting my, you know, affecting my ability to have any confidence in in selecting a Cats rookie in twenty twenty. Pistol. Look, the Geelong always pick a player that ends up, you know, a rookie that ends up staying in their team for a lot of the season. It happened with uh, Gregson. It happened with Myers last year. Atkins. Atkins. Like, they, they, they have really good supercoach rookies. I'm just really worried about this year. I don't think we're going to get one. Um, so let's let's wait and see on the next match. It's not like they actually tried that hard. It's very hard to take anything from this Geelong side. As Dangerfield, we were talking about him before, I think he had 41 points in the first quarter playing as a midfielder. Then he played forward for the rest of the match and basically didn't score. So um, I don't really want to read too much into this and would... I think it's best if we just uh, move on to the next game. Yeah, so contrasting how Dangerfield spent his first um, pre-season game, just kind of warming the old muscles up, Lockie Neal just said, stuff that, I'm going after the ball. I I need to go see a doctor for all this leather poisoning. He's had 40-plus touches and just basically stapled his name onto my, you know, team printout he just can't leave now pistol he's just he's I, I i can't not pick him to start the year if he's gonna do what he did last year yeah he's not in my side which is a bit weird given how i've just been talking <laughs> i'm like i'm going to pick all these forwards and defenders and none of these midfielders that get 180 super <laughs> but i'm gonna players. have five dogs players <laughs> yeah that's pretty much my team um look neil had 47 touches it's Port Adelaide weren't running anyone near him. He was doing what he wants. We know he can score like that when no one runs with him. That's literally what happened against Richmond in round 23 where he got 51 touches and they just didn't care about putting anyone on him and he scored 190 super coach points. The problem I have with Lockie Neal is that he, in that mid-section of the season, it seemed like he kind of got found out just a little bit. His scoring dropped off, and then he needed to have these monster scores to make up for it. Yes, he's capable of it, but also do I? I'm, maybe maybe I'm just a sour customer, having you know got him early on in the season. I think after round four, where he you know he had four massive games to start. Um, I've got some stats for you. Go, you know, go for it. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I might change my opinion if they're if they're okay. good, but we'll see. <laughs> after, after the first month, when all the teams were just feeling each other out, seeing you know who were the strong, who, who had strengths, that kind of stuff. The last eighteen games of the year, big sample size. Lockie Neal averaged one hundred and fifteen point eight, I think it was. So yeah, round what, five what, onwards. Yeah, from round five of, of five onwards, that includes that one ninety in round twenty three. So what you're saying is that they recognised his potential. He started getting more attention. They were definitely sending a tagger through him. And yes, he's going to score 190 the day that they don't send someone to him. But is it just not more likely that this just proves they need to give him attention? I wish it was Zorko that came out in this game and got 47 touches. And everyone's like, you know what? We probably should just tag Zorko. But it was Neil. This is a statement. Who gets 47 touches in a jail team? I'm sorry, JLT, in a March series match? No one. <laughs> Who, why? Why did he do this? <laughs> like, that's 
they they want to play full strength sides. I get it, but this was a a flex that's actually scared me off um, selecting him. Um, I feel like yeah, this is showing that you need to put people on Neil and that 115.8 as you said from round five onwards for the rest of the year is just makes me feel like I'm buying him at a maximum price um, in which case I'll just pick him up after his buy and we'll, and we'll see how we go I think the other players around him um, can match him for you know 20 30k cheaper so very interesting saying that after you know watching someone score 168 super coach points yeah, no, it's 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 two sides to the coin. It, it it looks like an easy selection, but looking at that that sample size from the end of last year, maybe um maybe not so much. Uh, uh, the other one I do want to talk about my you know slap me if I don't start humor cluggage. I can't fit him in at this stage, <laughs> pistol. But this is sort of what I was predicting at the end of last year. If you wanted me to pick a breakout, this was the guy that I was uh, I was liking the look of. Rated as the number one um, winger in the competition last year in what was, I think, his fourth season or third or fourth season. At some stage, I think we're going to see him move in more into the midfield to be a centre-bounce rotation more often. Um, and I, I I just saw that next level just flash through as it went past. Still definitely um, playing along the wing. Only eight of the 30 centre bounces he attended. Um, but I, I, I did just want to touch on that because I, I, I see a lot of people on Twitter just saying, you know, this is the breakout coming. Here comes the 110. Unless he plays, you know... Inside, you know, sorry, plays the you know, centre bounce midfielder for the year. I'm just not sure. Sh- not sure. I see that next 110 level, but yeah, I'm expecting big things uh, things for him this year. So we won't spend too much time on him. The only other thing from the Lions was the disappointing rookies, a, a recurring theme. Pistol. <laughs> I think maybe uh, Grant Birchall as well may have, I guess, finally convinced people not to select him. Um, nah, he hasn't. They're still going to pick him. Anyone that had him in their side still has him there. I bet. 46 points in 67% game time. Please, can we... How many times... I feel like we've had to talk about Graham Birchall for like the best part of three years now. I was and, sure he's retired. <laughs> I, I did say thought he didn't play anymore. <laughs> Joined Brisbane as like a coach and then ends up being on the field. <laughs> and you're like, Yeah, I thought on? that's what happened with Hodgie as well. They're just <laughs> picking up all these Hawks guys that retire. Um, I think uh, Brandon Stasevich was quite good, um, but he only played 45% time on ground. He scored forty points. He, he scored forty points. So I'm like, okay, great. He's decent scoring potential. Small sample size though, so I can't take too much from it. But when you're getting forty five percent time on ground, you're usually not in the best twenty two. Maybe he can weasel his way into it in, uh, I guess, before round one. But I don't like having to pay hundred forty seven k. So I'm paying up um, for a rookie that's probably got poor job security and will have to sit on my bench. Uh, it, does, it doesn't feel great, Cheese. I'm, I'm hoping there's better better options come round one. Yeah. Another option that we didn't see much time was Eli Smith, a noted ball winner, but only the 33% time on ground. So definitely another one that we need to wait and see on. Moving over to the power side of things, the one player that JB, he's got his, his headphones turned up to the max right now. Houston was a inside midfielder, just, you know, hunting the ball throughout the field and that's something that we really wanted to see and it comes back to that um you know what we're saying about 
you know, forwards or defenders that have a new role and are definitely inside midfielders or, you know, definitely getting midfield time. He attended 24 centre bounces on the weekend against the Lions out of a maximum of 30. And he only, you know, he, he didn't put up a massive score, 96. But I think that's something that we can project forward in that, that this is his new role. And that's something that I, I really, really like to look off. What did you think? Look, 71% time on ground. He'll get more than that throughout the season. It was all about the role. Um, he, they, they told us. They were so open with us. It was very refreshing. They said, Houston is a lock to play midfield. And then we watched him in the Marsh series, and he played midfield. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for that. He's going to go straight into my basket, into my side. Very happy with Houston. I don't need to think too much about it, Chizo. So that's, it's always nice when, a, I guess, a plan comes together like that. Yeah, yeah, you know what? What if this is all part of Ken's master plan? He's just like, aha! Told you he was going to play defense all year. Like, <laughs> I'm just waiting for something like that to happen. But um, yeah, I really like the look of it. Still sitting there in my side. Um, JB's slapped me if I don't start. So I'm really hoping he has a bad Marsh 2. So that, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to slap JB. Um, but <laughs> looking down the rest of the list... There's not a whole lot of relevance that I can see from the power apart from maybe a Mitch. Uh, Geo- oh, I'm going to absolutely butcher this, mate. Geo- Council Council. <laughs> no, he did, he's got to sign up. Don't no, sign up. That's true. That's true. Uh, I've, is it Geo Gaves? George Gaves? I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Just to I hang out to dry, I think mate. it's Gatorades. Gatorades. All right, yeah. we'll go with that. Forward rookie. One that we've been hearing is going to get um, is a really solid chance for round one, but less than fifty percent time on ground, only a thirty-five. Not huge things that uh, you know we saw from him on the weekend. I mean, look, if he's going to play eighty percent time on ground, that translates to a decent score, I guess. That's the upside. I just hate trying to extrapolate out from small time on grounds because it's never really works like that. Um, I, I think he's enough that I'm not going to rule him out. I'd, I'd like to see him play again um, and see if he's going to be a worthwhile selection. So I guess that's the positive there, Chizo. Um One last player that I did want to touch on, though, for Port Adelaide would be Travis Boak. He scored really well last season, and we all couldn't believe that somebody at his age was, I guess, having a, a breakout season to average 107 points. He looks phenomenal in this match. 33 possessions, 7 tackles. That included 11 clearances with 18 contested possessions. All in 67% time on grounds for a score of 120 super coach points. <laughs> it's stupid, isn't it? Could he take his game to another level is where I'm going with this. Was last season not the best we've seen of Travis Boak? Yeah, no. I, I, I'm not seeing another jump. I'm going to say that right now. I don't think Travis Boak is going to suddenly be a 120 averaging midfielder. I just want to put it out there to hear your thoughts. Um, I I don't like. <laughs> I've totally the pick. shot you down there, haven't I? I? No, no, I, I don't. I don't like it because of the risk associated, and I'd rather just. He's already really expensive, so I'd rather just pay for him if he is going to go 120. Um, so I can see how it plays out, but I also don't hate it. You know, I don't. It's not like a this passionate hate for that pick um i actually did just want to say conor rose scored a ton in 57 percent game time um so watch this space i guess for next week because my god that guy can score and i have massive regrets not getting him last season yeah um 
I think that kind of wraps up, I guess, Brad Ebert with 43. Hopefully that puts puts to rest uh, a few of the inboxes that we're getting about his potential for 2020, unless you've got something else to add. Uh, not really. We'll wait and see. Darcy Byrne-Jones, people are selecting him, 57 points from 77. I wouldn't let that scare you off entirely um, from picking him, but I'd like to see him playing more rebounding. Um, I guess Ryan Burton kind of got that role over him. Uh, during this match. So that's something to keep your eye on for the next Marsh series match. Yeah, so Marsh 1, done and dusted pistol. Thanks for jumping on with me. It's been great to hear your voice. If you had one takeaway from the the first week of Marsh, what would it be? Um, Probably, let's... I think it's... I would look at this preseason with completely fresh eyes and try not to bring in the biases from seasons past... I'm mostly talking about Petrarca. I'm seeing everyone saying, ha ha, Petrapa, people are going to get sucked in. And like, yes, they may get sucked in. Or he becomes an absolute gun and you've missed out just because you're labeling him as a trap when you're ignoring all these signs of him potentially... People said the same thing about Boak last year, didn't they? Yeah, it's just if you miss the signs because of previous biases, like you're the fool in the end. Um, So just fresh eyes on everything. Take the information for what it is. Um, yes, you can think back of your minds. He's done similar things before, but he it wasn't. It was about the role. Like he hasn't had this much role. He hasn't played this much midfield time. He hasn't had Burgess at the club. You know, building his fitness up and working on him all summer. Like all this is new. So let's just take it one step at a time. Let's see how he plays next week and and not be uh, shouting out names. I think uh, is probably my one takeaway. Yeah, love it. All right. Thanks, Pistol. Thanks for jumping on. Thanks for listening, community. It's been great to get behind the mic and talk about some of the relevance. We've just been, you know, just itching to get another one out there. Where they want to find us during the week on Twitter, you can get me at Cheezo with a Z underscore DRSC, Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC, and JB at JB underscore DRSC. And if you want to follow the main page Twitter, it's Dr. underscore SC. We're going to be putting out some more content as the preseason progresses. If you want to see some of that, consider jumping into the Patreon. We've got daily content daily um, you know, podcast for you to listen to about our thoughts on some of the players that have popped up during the uh, the, the recent March and games. And Chizo, I would just say you're getting 30 podcasts for $3 at the moment for our patron sign-up because we're doing Can you do one the math a day. on that? How many is that per... per... It's nothing. <laughs> just uh, give it a go. You also go in the running to win a prospectus, I believe. That's 10 cents um, a podcast. Yeah, and, and you could win a prize. Uh, there's little downside for testing it out, jumping into the Slack, talking to people, seeing how it all works. If you don't like it, you can cancel. You probably will like it, though. So uh, looking forward to meeting a, a whole bunch of new uh, people soon. And seeing your lovely faces in the Slack. And if you want to see some more video stuff, do sub to our YouTube. It's just Dr. Supercoach over there because we've got some more team reveals, uh, some more you know analysis and thoughts coming out. And uh, we'd love to see you and hear, hear what you want to see next from Dr. Supercoach and where we can progress in 2020. And th- those comments from you are invaluable. So thanks for listening. Thanks for jumping on again with me, Pistol Community. We will talk to you all again soon.